0: 5, off, over.
1: Now, over. Welcome to Karen the Fire, where the scene isn't safe and we all forgot our BSI. I'm your host, Aaron. Today, my guest is Paul Guy. A captain in the United States Army, who currently works as a dentist. A little background on Paul. Uh, He's a three-time graduate of Ohio State University, where he got his bachelor's, his master's, and his dental degree. And in a little bit of research, I found out Paul played uh, baseball at Ohio State. Didn't have the easiest track. He didn't walk right onto the baseball team. It sounds like he had to fight his way onto the team. So he went and played professional baseball. I guess you had a backup plan there. Uh, Your baseball career came to an end, and then you went back to school. And did you do your master's first and then roll into your dental program? Yes. Okay. So I, as much as we could talk about his past, cause I'm sure that would be a whole podcast episode in and of itself, <laughs> uh, Captain Guy has, has recently been awarded the expert field medical badge. If you Google the EFMB, the first thing that pops up is it's one of the army's most challenging badges. I, I would also argue that the astronaut badge and maybe the tomb guard badge are pretty hard too, but. It does have a pretty low pass rate, and we'll talk about that. I'm going to do a whole episode on the history of EFMB. So I'll get into the nitty gritty of all the lanes and stuff like that. But today, we just want to talk about Paul's experience. So thanks for being here today, Paul.
0: Hey, I'm happy to be here.
1: All right. So for the last, I was there for, I was a lane grader at Paul's EFMB. I was there for about five weeks. You were only there for about two weeks, correct?
0: Correct. Yeah, roughly two and like two days
1: okay (laughs) now that you were counting every single. now that i was counting it (laughs) so what did you about the efmb before you signed on to do it
0: to be honest i think the first first experience i had even with the word efmb somebody had mentioned it and i said what is that and they said that it's basically a badge that medical people can go out for and i said sure let's do it why not i just enjoy it it's it's kind of just to see how far i can kind of push myself and I already have imposter syndrome since I became in the army. So I said, if if I'm going to learn more, I might as well be submerged in it. And as a dentist, I don't get to do a ton of the, the HUA stuff. So I figured I'd take every advantage I could learn a little bit more about it. Be with my fellow brothers and sisters in arms, learn, learn a thing or two.
1: (laughs) So I'm heard, I'm sure you heard it was, it's an extremely challenging badge with a low percent pass rate. Oh
0: yeah. That was all they would talk about before we we got there. 12%, 19%, 21% was high yep. and just like, go ahead, it's gracious. <laughs> so confidence wasn't super high going in, but and, and yet at the end of the day, the only thing that I can control is my attitude and my effort. And I knew those two would be solid.
1: It's, it's jokingly referred to as the expert field memorization badge. Some people will talk down on it like, Hey it's not, it's not worthwhile. It's not real medical training. It's not real army training. Did you get any of that before you went?
0: Not, I mean, I think I, I heard the, the memorization badge in passing like once or twice, but at the end of the day, you're ultimately being able to put into place the skills that you learn. And, and, and for me, it was learning in a very short period of time. So just even if you're quote unquote memorizing, you're still applying it. and ultimately. I, I think it was incredible from, from a self-realization, introspective kind of thing how much you can truly soak up in a short span and apply it. Well,
1: it makes perfect sense. And you brought up a good point. You said you had to learn a lot of material in a short amount of time. When you read 350-10, it explains that it's your unit's command to make sure you're trained and it's expected that you're familiar with all of these tasks. Before you showed up, how much train up did you do? And did you feel prepared before you showed up on day one?
0: I'm in a really weird position um, because I'm a dentist. I'm a doc, but I'm also going into the residency actually in a a month and a half. So the joke is my S1 tells me I serve two masters. I'm assigned to Charlie Company, Student Detachment, Med Act, but I'm also assigned to Dentac. So, as far as the train ups, Dentac didn't really have train ups because they had nobody kind of going out for it besides me and they had no experience with it. So, it kind of fell on Charlie Company. But, Charlie Company's all their train ups was in the morning during patient care, especially those rucks. And I'm, I can't just take weeks out to do these train ups and and like have my patient care because my mission is readiness. So, I'm kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I want to go this do this, the HUA stuff, but if, if I'm perfectly honest, I want to make sure my soldiers are taken care of because I can't have somebody going, deploying soon for one reason or another, and then be at rest to become a dental casualty. So I kind of had to do a lot of this train up on my own and with all the changing regulations, they went from the older lanes to the new lanes, what's covered. To be honest with you, I was not very prepared when I got there.
1: You said that you mentioned the changes. So actually, if you go to the MedCOE website right now, the Medco pamphlet, 350-10, was updated on 1 April of 2022. So it just updated again. So yeah, it's it's very important that we get trained up. A lot of these are supposed to be skill level one tasks that mm-hmm. every soldier can do. But as you saw, just because you did land nav and basic training or the BOLIC or wherever you did it at last time, it's a perishable skill.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the, the thing is, is I think, I think a lot of the problems that I saw with my teammates out there is they got overconfident. And I'm, I've always been kind of brought up is you don't know nothing until it's done. Like you don't, you don't know how you're going to do it until it happens. So I, you always kind of have that kind of, that air on the side of caution in not letting your ego get the best of you and really humble yourself before game day. So that's kind of I don't know if that's what the problem was with them or other things, but I knew that that was going to be a a challenge that I had to get over and kind of be like,
1: oh yeah, that seems easy. I don't have any of the statistics or data in front of me, but I know traditionally uh, medics have the hardest time passing it. Mainly because again, like you said, we go into it super overconfident. This is my job. I'm a subject matter expert. And then we bolo those little bitty tiny tasks. I've been told in the past, the highest pass rate is usually our medevac pilots because they're used to running on checklists. Everything they do is on the checklist. And as much as people call it the expert field memorization badge or complain about it, no pilot takes off without breaking out their checklist. It doesn't matter if they're a brand new pilot or they've been flying for 20 years, they break out their checklist and they go through steps one, two, and three. And that's how we need to think about our medical tasks. You might be an expert, but you still need to Break out that sheet every once in a while and make sure it may be something you do over and over and over again. But let's double check our med dosages. Let's double check our procedures. Right patient. So you did yours at Camp Bolus out in San Antonio. What was your experience in processing EF&B like or what were your thoughts? It, It was a little odd. I don't know if it was
0: because I didn't get a whole lot of information pushed out to me from my unit because I'm in this weird position. Like when I got there, I kind of expected to be at bolus but the little or be at ttb freedom but that we met in a kind of like a neutral zone so that we could park our cars that was just a little odd i get why they did it by no means is that i just i figured i have a little bit more information of, of the why but it was just, i'm learning that it's more about the who what when and where and worry about the why later so i i i, I I think that was really the only odd experience to start, but I think that everything else was pretty quick, very um, efficient. It was just that one little detail. that was just interesting, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of information didn't get pushed out to us as graders as well. Like the fact that some of you were allowed to stay off base in the beginning, like there seemed to be some confusion on who was staying where and whether you were going home at night. I think towards the end, you all were all locked down to TPB Freedom, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was the original. When we were kind of learning about the EFMB to start with, they were saying that that was a lot of the changes that were coming down is that you would be allowed to leave at night. But I think because of how everything was situated with the cars and having to bus people back at night, it just became more of a hassle. And I get why they kind of nixed it. Um, I don't think I would have been able to stay off Off of TTB and be successful, if I'm being honest, it didn't really affect me any, but I do know that there were some people that kind of were expecting to go home and bring stuff and because those cots, (laughs) those those cots are just (laughs) brutal, but even, yeah, and I didn't even bring a sleep system. I completely forgot it. Yeah. I grabbed my parka instead. So I, I've just looked like a a gray marshmallow every night, but, uh, but yeah, it's other than that, it was what, what I expected.
1: And if I could give any advice to anybody that's going in the future, if you're ever given the option to stay off site versus on site, if you really want the badge, I highly recommend because that's where you get those extra reps in at night, sitting at the chow hall, grilling your battle buddies, yeah. stuff like that. Did you do the written test at home station or did you do it at JBSA?
0: So, uh, again, with the, the uh, I belong to two masters. Yep. Um, a lot of stuff either got pushed out too late. I, I had dates to take this, the test. At home station, three separate occasions, something didn't get pushed out. I don't know what it was. I, it's well above my pay grade and I didn't end up taking it until I got
1: it. So okay. I tried to, but was <laughs> unsuccessful. I got my badge back in 2012. So my written test was drastically different than what I've heard the new test is. So how would you uh, recommend somebody prepare for that test? And what advice you have? and what was your thoughts on the written <clears throat> test?
0: so the the first I actually studied the old material all of from October through January, and when i i they pushed out something in a group text, and I think I caught on to it that they changed some of the things and when i saw, when I saw some, I'm like, oh, maybe they just added a couple sections, took out a couple sections. there was nothing the same, so all of that field sanitation, detainees, all that stuff it, It was basically lost on me now. So I kind of had to hurry up and, and study the new material. And I, I still didn't feel super prepared until somebody made a Quizlet and it was basically like 500 flashcards. And I just looked through those and just prayed that this was on the exam. And I actually, I was actually surprised at how quickly I finished it. I think it was, I only took like nine minutes.
1: Oh. That's impressive. Yeah. So
0: there was somebody that's finished before me. I think they were done at like seven and a half minutes when I was on question 45. But it's the the thing about the army tests that I do really enjoy is that none of them try to. Nope. And I, I like that because dental school <laughs> they put like seven distractors and three possibles in there. So I like that if, if you, you either know it or you don't, but it's easily recognizable if you're kind of on the fence, you're like, oh, this looks way more accurate than that.
1: If you are studying for the EFMB, you need to go to the C O N E website. That's where all the most recent study material is. And like Paul was talking about those old study guides, you can pretty much just throw them away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely nothing was helpful on those old study guides.
1: For those that have never been to EFMB, it's broke down into two phases, standardization and testing. Standardization is not meant to be a teaching tool. If you read 350-10, it says we're not there to teach you. We're there to show you what right looks like. I like to think we kind of went out of our way to make sure that everybody was successful. So if you could talk about your experience with the standardization portion.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. And, and I think I... I I appreciate that the graders you could tell actually care. You could tell who, who wanted to be there and who like wanted to kind of challenge you. And that was kind of nice, but you also had that, that other kind of group of people that like really took their time to like, sit down, like, okay, this, this maybe wasn't talked to you correctly. Let me take a few more minutes and say, Hey, this is how we're going to, going to grade you because. As you said, with, with the medics, especially the ones that are experts in that area, just because they were taught this way, doesn't mean that that's how they're going to be graded. And the graders, overall, definitely seemed like they wanted us to be successful. And you could tell that from, from the get. So granted, I didn't have a ton of knowledge going into this. I basically was able to learn by watching over and over the repetition and, and I know this just because it's human nature. When people do things over and over and over again, you could almost tell that when, when somebody's done something so many times, they kind of, they kind of get like, oh, but I didn't see that. I didn't see that in the graders. And that's what I kind, of, I kind of enjoyed was that no matter how many times I'm like, sorry, can we try that one more time? Can we do that one more time? Let me run that one more time. Can we run that back? I, I actually, from, from what I understood, and, and I don't know if it, it's the brace the suck, we're already here, let's do it mentality, but it was, it, was, it was great that I felt like the graders wanted us to succeed. And, and even with me, maybe I wasn't trained up to how I should have been. They definitely got me up to speed in a very, very quick, quick way. And, and I, like I said, I, I had a wonderful experience with the graders and how I ran, so...
1: I can't, I can't speak for all the lane graders, <clears throat> excuse me, but it, uh, on the TC three lane, at least the way we broke down standardization was each two graders would take a topic. So I went over hypothermia care and, uh, medication administration. So during standardization, I cannot tell you how many times I pitched that same block <laughs> over it, but the theory was we wanted each grader to be a subject matter expert on one station. That way, anytime a question arose in grading standards, if it was hypothermia, they would come to me and uh, Master Sergeant Three, and we would settle all debates. That way, we didn't have every single grader putting in their two cents. Standardization grading is not an easy thing for the Army to accomplish, especially in dentistry and medicine. There's, there's not one way to do any one thing, but we still have to try to come up with something that's reproducible and a standard that's fair. So that's why we broke down standardization the way we did. And we just went rep after rep. I'm sure the other lanes did very similar things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think that was, you could tell because it, it felt like, and I'm not trying to toot your horn, but from the consensus from my peers and the other guys and that over there is I quote, TC three graders, I feel like they have their together because. Everybody that I talked to, it, it was basically like, if anybody had a question, all of the graders were on the same page. And that was, that was kind of nice. Uh,
1: well, I can not tell you about the behind the scenes, two weeks prior to you showing up, we were not all <laughs> on the same page. But after a couple of days together of hashing it out, we got there because we all had, di- we all come from ba- different backgrounds. Different, I'm a, I'm a combat paramedic instructor. We had ranger medics. We had lab techs. We had x-ray techs. We had everybody on scene. So, and that brings up another topic some of the skills that have been added to the medical lane. When I went through EFMB, we still started IVs and push fluids on patients, but we weren't doing anything other than basic CLS TC3 care that you would expect any 11 Bravo to be able to do. But now they've added some more advanced medical procedures, such as the Crike. Had you had any experience with a Crike prior to showing up to EFMB?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I in, in my dental program, we did uh crisis. Did my first experience with NCD though. I, I, I had experience with most everything except for the NCD. Oh, and the eye gel. Yeah. I had never yep. done the eye gel before, but I had done a crike again, not on a real patient, thankfully, but the, the dummy simulation kind of thing. So that I wasn't super, super unprepared for that. But again. I try
1: to bring that up to other people cause they make the argument that, um, Maybe there's two, the advanced, there's some advanced procedures in here that we shouldn't be teaching everybody. Maybe a pharmacy tech doesn't need to learn how to crike. But my argument, I believe I talked about that a little bit in my class, is nobody's expecting you to be a, a doctor when you come out of the EFMB badge program. But what we do expect is now that you're a badge holder, you have a much better understanding of field medicine. So mm-hmm. if you need to help out, so maybe you're a lab tech in a cash. Maybe you're a logistics personnel, but if you have the badge you've been exposed to this, so now you and me can run out to the CPP point and you can assist the ground medic or the nurse or the doctor or whoever it is because we all know inside the states, if you don't have a dentist, you don't have a dentist, but mm-hmm. when you 're downrange, if you don't have a pharmacist or a dentist or a doctor, whoever shows up is the best you best you get yeah, so we talked about the t c three lane how did the because I, I don't have experience with the new Warrior lane or the EVAC lane. I hear they're extremely challenging. So, so what, what insight can you give us there? So with the EVAC
0: lane, I think moreover, it's, it's again, it's more about the attention to detail. It's It's that checklist, that pilot checklist that you come out with. You check in all the boxes. A lot of things can be done in separate orders and you still get the job done correctly, but Oftentimes, when you do it in that order, that checklist order, it's, it's, there's a reason why it's in that order. It's usually the most intuitive and it's usually the most efficient. So I think it, it's more about attention to detail. You can load litters in the back of a Humvee all day, every day. And if you do the same things over and over and over again, you're going to get the same results. I understand that you we can standardize to a certain level, but at some point when everything's on the same line, if you do line one before you do line two, or you do line two before you do line one. So long as those two lines are done before you do line three, when there's no turning back, Yep. there's, there's a little bit more leeway, but so I, I got no, no quarrels with the grader that gave me a no-go because I technically did it a little bit out of order, but before I made that one major move where harm would have been done to the mm-hmm. patient, then no, I get that. So, but there's. It's all I think about just attention. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you the no go I got on the, the uh, camo lane. Everything was perfect. But I just, when I said camo complete, there was one button that wasn't buttoned. And I had my hand on my ACH and it wasn't on my head. So it's just one of those things that you get, you get confident because everything was perfect. The, the camo, the, the color, everything was camouflaged to the standard. I just, when I said time, it wasn't how it was supposed to finish, yep. even though all I had to do was place it on my head and, and snap it. And then that one button, I, I don't think I would have gotten, even if I, even if I did the, the ACH, but that's, that's, that's all it is. Is really, if, if you have attention at detail and you, you take that pause, take that mental pause and that, that, I, that was my last lane and I was, I was good. That was just kind of a bonus. Lane, but, <laughs> It, it it made me kind of look back and that actually bugged me the whole drive home. Like I could have gotten on goes on both the warrior and I didn't because I one rushed it and two didn't take that pause to be like, cause I still had six minutes. Mm-hmm. Just take the pause and then I would have been fine. But I, I think the biggest insight to just EF and B in general is, Take that 30 second pause, run over everything in your mind. What did I do? What do I need to do? How did I, how should I do it? I already did it. So before we say done, let's make sure everything is done. So it's, I, I think as long as you don't get in your own way, you have the ability to be successful.
1: Um, I, I know they have made some changes, especially in the TC3 lanes where you can do things a little bit out of order, Like you can check the back, go ahead and put the blanket on and pelvic binders when I went through, it was strictly step one, two, three. So on my e-back lane, the radio, you had to put the, the antenna together first before you put the hand mic on. If you put the hand mic on first, you were a no-go because you did it out of order. Uh-huh. And I thought that was the silliest thing in the world because I'm like, the radio still works. Now we roll into testing. The very first event, which is also a new event, is the PFA, the yes. Physical Fitness Challenge. Any issues there with the way it was ran or the, because I know you, you went into the PFA and then you went right into a lane day, correct?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. So I personally didn't have any issues with the, uh, the PFA. I know that there was some people that struggled with it and, and I know exactly why, because most of us that are doing an ACFT or APFT, we're going into that completely fresh. We're coming in from work. We had a good night's sleep. We got in extra food, extra fluids the night before because we were at home, but what I think a lot of people that didn't make it through weren't in- anticipating is that whole week of standardization just destroys you. Your sleep schedule's messed up. You're not getting in as much water as even though you think you are, you're still not getting in enough of the food. You are just not in an optimal setting to where you can just come in and skate by if you normally do well or. Even in the middle of the road, because you're not gonna do near as well Mm-mm. on that of the the testing week. Just because like I can usually do 30 push-up 30 hand release push-ups, no problem. And the sprint drag carry, I usually max it out at 130, 129. But I was trying to max it out and I, I was I was just, my feet were dragging and I still mm-hmm. ended up finishing at like 145 or something like that. So a whole like 15, 20 seconds slower. Yep. Than I normally do and the two mile run forget about it goodness I had I had done that I think like five months ago two mile run after the ACFD in like like 16 15 minutes and I was I was pushing I was pushing that <laughs> that, that no-go time zone right there so I think the biggest thing is just making sure that you're getting enough rest during that standardization week because it's a different level of tire yep because your brain's exhausted too, because you're trying to do all this stuff to standard and physically, because you've already done four iterations of land now. So it's, you're going to be tired. You're going to have blood blisters that have blood blisters. <laughs> so yeah, it's that the PFA was, was interesting.
1: Well, you met, you mentioned the land nav portion. I don't envy you all because I have done land nav at, at camp <laughs> bolus. So how did Land Nav go for you out there? To be honest, it was a little shaky at
0: first, but it's it's more about how you finish, not how you start. The uh, first day I found one point and I found two different points and put it in that same point because something didn't seem right. I ended up finding the correct point, but I didn't find any other point for Day Land I think what had happened was is, is I took those skills that... I thought were not perishable for granted, and then really had to focus on getting back to the basics on that land app. And after that first day, I think that night I found four out of four. And then the next iteration, I found four out of four for day and then three out of four for night. And then on standardization, I found three out of four, no, three out of four on lit day and then four out of four at night. So as long as you stick to the basics and, and stick to What you can quit trying to do, extravagant things and cut time. Just plan your route, take that extra five, 10 minutes to focus on re you know, replotting in the middle. Not not necessarily replotting, but like reorienting. Because there was a couple of times where instead of going from point one to point three to point two, then point four, I went to point one, back to a known point, point two, then three, then back to a known point, back to three, just because one reason or another, and then to 0.4 so it's if you take the time and you don't rush again i think it it all comes back to just don't rush and take that pause and i think it's it'll be good but there was so much walking so much walking i was not expecting that i, I think i counted it up i think there was a total of just under a hundred miles walked for standardization and wow. uh, and testing just with the the kilometer measurements and that's not talking about the the rerouting and reorienting that's yeah. just straight points and estimating
1: and that's what i try to tell people especially when it comes to the 12 mile road march which we'll get into in just a few minutes but people are like, oh i can 12 mile i can 12 mile. it's no big deal i was like yeah but if you walked 100 miles in the last week and then <laughs> tried to do a 12 mile after sleeping on that cotton eating mres for two weeks mm-hmm. that's where it becomes a little challenging
0: so really a mental game yep. it's a mental game
1: i will say there was it was you and several other candidates that were out there that we noticed no matter what happened, you always had positive attitudes. And the ones that had the most positive attitudes. Were yep. you. First platoon, best platoon. We had PBO, positive vibes only. Let's go. So what you gotta do. Once you get down on yourself, you would see those people. Once they started to spiral, then there's, it was hard to come back from it. And then they wanted to argue and then they wanted to be, mm-hmm. and they wanted to rebut everything. And but again, you saw, you can rebut some things. There's no problem rebutting. But at the end of the day, when we have pictures and we're like, you did this completely wrong around Boulder, <laughs> it's really hard to rebut it. Yeah. So that covered the lay in and, and we I'll go into a little bit more detail when I learn a little bit more about them, the evac lane and the, the warrior lane, but those are completely different from when I went through.
0: Yeah. Cause you guys went through when it was like one lane, just like mm-hmm. TC3. Yep. To where you had to do all the skills in a certain order. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. I'm glad they changed that because.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of it didn't make any sense. The TC3 lane, we tried to make it make sense. I can go ahead and tell you a little bit of the scenario because they will change. The old 350-10 had an example of what each lane looked like. And I'll tell you what we did because I was a grader under the old one. We always just copied that lane straight out of the book. So every candidate knew you're going to start right here and you're going to do your weapons malfunction. Then you're going to return fire. Then you're going to put a cat tourniquet on this patient. And then you're going to come to three patients, an eye injury, an arm, like everybody knew it wasn't a secret what we were going to do. So ours, now we had the ability to create our own scenario. And I like to think we made one that kind of made sense. There was a unit in contact and you as the medic moved up, came to two patients, did what you had to do, and then you retreated back down the hill to a secure CCP and then continued your work. That kind of made sense in my eyes. When I did like my warrior lane back in 2012, they'd be like, oh, you're a lone medic on patrol. You're walking down this trail and you come to a UXO. So the first thing I had to do was my UXO report. And my question is why am I a lone medic walking down this trail? And why am I the one? So the scenarios didn't make sense. So I like to think hours made sense. And then they turned the warrior and back lane into stations. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes more sense in what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I would agree hundred percent. Those changes were definitely necessary. And I, I do like that they did keep the TC3 lane a lane versus making you the station, which I don't know how that, because I, I think that the TC3 lane was great in this scenario because it gave you more of a real world kind of feel than just doing skills. Cause you can do skills all day, every day And still not be able to perform them great, but then still not be able to perform them under pressure.
1: But scenarios will change in the future. Every UFMB gets to come up with their own child. Let's say hypothetically, you had a chest injury. Those are pretty common in our medical scenarios. What most people are accustomed to is I find the injury. I put the chest seal on, I check the back, put the chest seal on. Then I'm going to look for signs of tension pneumo and oh no, my patient's having a tension pneumo. It's time to do the NCD. Mm -hmm. That's not the way it really works in the real world. Sometimes it can take 30 minutes for intention pneumo to develop. So we may have in our scenario modified where steps happen. And that would confuse a lot of medics because they're like, I'm supposed to NCD right here. But we didn't Mm -hmm. give you the cues until what, 15 minutes later. So you'd have to remember to come back to that step.
0: Yeah. That was one thing that I I did notice because like in a lot of the, the train up videos, it was very like, chest seal, and then like, oh, you need to make sure your patient has, doesn't have these symptoms. Oh goodness, they have those symptoms. Do it. So I did like that. It, it kind of threw a curveball, but it also, you had in the back of your mind and you, you had that, the reason why you have a, you have an open chest wound. Okay. So it's probably going to happen. So you, you're not necessarily saying it's going to happen because how often does it happen when you have an open chest wound? You knew exactly that this patient or this soldier had that. That opportunity, or it was going to happen, but you did not need to address it until the symptoms presented themselves. So I, I, I liked that about
1: the the pain
0: is it, it gave that real world kind of feel.
1: And you always have to constantly reassess that patient because you said you use propofol and fentanyl. You don't get to just push propofol on your patient, and go okay, they're breathing, pulse ox is good, and then walk away and be like, oh, it's good. I checked them thirty minutes ago. No, you have to constantly yep. reassess your patients, and I think we're getting better about that, building those into our scenarios that. It's, it doesn't always present like the book says it's going to present. And you have mm-hmm. to constantly do those re-evaluations. you have to do the 12 mile road march in under three hours? Mm-hmm. And did you all have a packing list or, or did y'all just go on the 35? Cause the book says either or packing list or 35 pounds. So we did
0: both basically, and we could do both. Essentially, if you didn't do the packing list, you were kind of gambling. You needed to make sure that your pack ended up being 30, 35 pounds or over. Yep. Because if it was under 35 pounds, then you would have to do a full layout. And I didn't want to do a full layout. And I, so I just made sure that everything was at least 35. And I, and once we weighed the night before I went out and I put like three rocks in my rucksack because I didn't want to do a layout <laughs> Yep. after we were done. And somehow I think I, 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 I don't know how I ended up being at like 45
1: pounds afterwards. I'm like, there's no way those rocks are that heavy. I wasn't thinking, Mary, right? We didn't have a choice. We did the, we had to do the full packing list with layout, but we did the gaming the system type thing when it said you had to bring a pair of boots. It didn't say they had to be your boots. So we'd find the smallest pair of boots we could, take the insoles out of them. You would bring the smallest gear you could. Like we (laughs) we did everything we could to lighten that load up just a little bit. So how was the route? Is I didn't see the route. I was at the parade field and I watched you all step off it. Oh dark 30, whenever you on them, limp. And I saw my OIC take off with you. Representative.
0: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Colonel Logan, my goodness, she is my savior. No, I I I actually so funny story for those of listening. She she got the badge, I think what, 2011, 2012, something like that. And there's not many dentists in the army that have this badge. And the, the fact that she rucked with me when she knew Sherwell and I knew Sherwell and she didn't have to, the fact that she rucked with me the entire route.
1: She, and I saw it, but I didn't know that she went
0: the whole route. No, no, she didn't have, she didn't have to do anything. Cause I, I didn't know pacers were a thing. And uh, she's like, you, you want me to come pace you? I'm like, I, what's a pace, like pace, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, and I'm like, well, if you want to give it, then I will absolutely take it. And I, I'm just. Kind of floored still by the, the the fact that she did the entire and she is a beast she i swear she didn't drink any water she <laughs> she had her backpack on and she was just like trucking and i'm i'm sitting here just like dying my eyes are crossing but we keep it in the positive vibes and yep. the fact that she continued the whole thing that that just speaks just leading from the front as they stand. and that's that's truly awesome but the route in itself was it was solid. There was only a couple like up and up slopes, down slopes, but they weren't very long, which I think is nice. There was only one area that, that I think that they could have done better on the ruck is instead of having the chest of drinks closed at the one mile to maybe have it open and stuff setting out, yeah. we could reach down and grab. Because there was one time where, so she was pacing me and then the, the pet, we also had a veterinarian that was with us. And we got to the line where they had the uh, drinks and they weren't sitting out. So like she had to like reach down and in. And we had already passed and they're like, you can't hand it to him. You got to throw it on the ground.
1: And we're like, we're not picking it up. Don't get it. We're not bending over because we ain't getting up if we bend over.
0: So like the next mile marker, she went ahead and like put it on top of the
1: thing. But I I just didn't understand why they didn't have them like that already. If I remember correctly, at least our water points, we just had uh, the paper cups and it was more like a marathon. They had them sitting on the table and you just walked up, grabbed one. And they even told us, they're like down your water and just rot th- it up, throw it on the ground. We've got cleanup crews. They tried to make it as easy as they could on us. Yeah. Sounds like they kind of did the opposite on you. Yeah, uh,
0: it's just like, I-, I don't know if that was maybe just the, the, the people at the different sites. I don't know what their directive is and I'm not, you know, pointing any fingers. It's, I don't think it's anybody's fault. It's just oh, no. a, mis- a miscommunication, but it's just like, if, if, if they, if they made that one little extra step, I think it would have been a little bit smoother. But like at that point in time, we're already 11 miles deep, 12 miles deep. We're just like, or 10 miles deep. We're just like,
1: It's fine. We're going live. We're going live. We, we talked in the beginning about how challenging this badge is, but we didn't put numbers on anything. I want to say 104 of you in processed on day one. Mm-hmm. And then 14 of you were standing on the parade field to earn their badge. 15 of you stepped off on the road march. So we, you only lost Good. one on the road march.
0: I was kind of bummed when the, when of bat, my battles, he, he stepped off with us and he bowed out and I was, I was really bummed because he was there the whole time. And he was, he's actually from Cardamsey here at Fort Hood with me. And I was really, really bummed that he didn't, didn't make it. But yeah, there was, there was, it, it blew my mind. I didn't realize how, how small our numbers were he until, did. until we're sitting there and I'm looking at
1: my left and right. am like, wait, that's it? Yep. Oh. Where'd everybody else go? Well, that's why I say it's such a challenging badge. It's the smallest little misstep along the way can send you home. And it doesn't matter if it's the PT test, TC3 late, written test, just the smallest little thing can send you home. I will say I was greatly impressed by the, the diversity of soldiers I saw. So I did mine at Fort Campbell with an infantry unit. So it was mainly combat medics and uh, nurses and doctors from the cache that participated, but you all had. Command Sergeant Majors were out there competing, Lieutenant Colonels were out there competing because, so I, it was, it was nice to see a, a mix of people out there competing for, even if they were unsuccessful.
0: Yeah. I actually, I think out of, I think there were like, there were only, there were seven women, I think that went out for the batch and three of them got it. Two of which were at first platoon. So yeah, I really, I really, those, those two are my battle buddies. It's so great that even though. Even though it's a, an individual competition, an individual badge, you still meet people out there, and you still get the battle buddies that you help them out, they help you, you bounce stuff off of them. Like you just, it, it, it kind of builds that you know camaraderie with people you wouldn't normally see. Like as a dentist, I would never have any reason to interact with a veterinarian mm-hmm. or. How often do I get a chance to interact with the whiskey outside of a, a teaching environment if I'm showing them how to extract tea? So, or even a, a health planner, like there was a couple of those yep. guys up there. So it's just like, this is, this is really, I think it's, it's not only a great opportunity to get the badge, but also to network and, and build relationships with, you know, people that you wouldn't normally interact with. And, excuse me, the longer you stay in, the, the, the more likely you'll interact with them again, if they stay in too. So I, from what I hear, the the longer you stay in, the smaller and smaller the medical world gets. It does. So it's, it's just like, it's a great opportunity to meet people from all over. So I'm super excited. I got to do it.
1: And and regardless of how people feel about the badge, if you are trying to get promoted in the army, you do have to set yourself apart from your peers Mm -hmm. and everybody puts the CMB ahead of the EFMB, the combat badge, of course, but you know, if you're not watching the news, your opportunities to earn a combat medical badge are a lot less than they used to be. So if you're trying to differentiate yourself from your peers, you've got to go out for opportunities like this, excel at them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you mentioned it's not, it's an individual competition, but you are all helping each other. Mm-hmm. We saw it the same way as the graders. I've never understood the bat, the quote unquote badge protector, because you earning your badge doesn't diminish my badge in any way, shape or form. And mm. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but now that you have the badge, it's your turn to be the OIC or the creator <laughs> next year. So that way I don't have to go back out and do it.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they want to see me fumble through that TC3 lane.
1: <laughs> the OIC of the TC3 lane. You mm-hmm. Did- set that bar super high. <laughs> we had a great team on the TC3 lane. Like, we didn't argue. There was none of that. We were all there to help each other. So I always make the running joke. Uh, everybody's badge looks the same. So it doesn't matter how many goes or no goes, as long as you've met the standard. So my running joke is when I, when I teach students, I'm like, what was my 12 mile time? Well, it doesn't matter what my 12 mile time was. <laughs> I got the badge. Unfortunately for you though, I was standing there at the finish line and I do have yours. I kind of posted it on Instagram already, but you all, all came across the line strong. At least yeah. I, I remember doing my, bit like we were, we were sucking, falling yeah. over the finish line. But of the 15 of you, all 14 of you came across the finish line strong. And I think the last one across still had three or four minutes left on the clock. So it was impressive. And then as soon as you all crossed that finish line, y'all got pulled over to the final event, which for uh, those listening, it is to clear your weapon, assemble, disassemble, and do a functions check. They kept using the term mystery event. Did you all know what was going to (laughs) happen at the end of the 12-miler?
0: Yeah, so we knew okay. when we were going to like the final event. Okay. So I don't know I didn't know if that was like a, a a thing that would change from unit to unit, whoever's putting it on, but we knew uh when we got there what was going to happen, but the thing was is, is you only got to standardize on it if you like asked one of the graders that was going to be grading it yep. like to to standardize you on it. I I mean obviously a lot of a lot of us soldiers at dental, I'm not issued a rifle. I'm not issued a weapon. So the only practice I get is Het bullock or when I'm mm. on these, these things, it kind of makes you kind of take that initiative to ask like, Hey, are you a grader or are you a grader that's going to be doing this? Can we run through that kind of thing? And you're at the end of that ruck, your fingers feel like sausages. So to do that, the final event with sausage fingers was challenging, but it wasn't impossible because the standard gives you plenty of time. Can I think you have five minutes total. Yeah. So two and a half minutes for the clear and disassemble, and then you get your time. They write down the time and then you reassemble and do a function check. And that's also and half
1: minutes. How'd you feel yeah. coming up to that table?
0: That was actually one of my favorite events. Even when I was in Bullock, I was getting so good to where I was actually able to, I was able to disassemble and reassemble within, I think like 48 seconds. When I was fresh yep, in Folek, because we did it while well, we were hurry up and waiting, but just to, just to clear the weapon and disassemble after that ruck, it took me 52 seconds, I think. But then to reassemble again, everything wasn't smooth. I was trying to rush. And I think it took me like a minute and a half to reassemble and do a functions check. So yeah, again, you don't realize how tired yep. and how fat your fingers are at the, end of, at the end of that two weeks.
1: I didn't grade that event. My biggest worry for you all, and we discussed it amongst graders, is I was not worried about any of your all's ability to do a functions check. My biggest worry was you all setting something on the table and it rolling off. Are you yeah. losing that pin or losing that string? That was like, because that's one of those that may not be recoverable. You might mm-hmm. not have the time to recover from, but you all, nobody failed that event. Everybody... Crossed the finish line. Everybody rock started that. And then we gave you a little bit of time for chow Did did y'all get time to clean up, go shower, change, shave or anything?
0: No. Okay. Uh, they, they didn't really have any like showers or anything like that in the area. I think, I think a couple people changed. I was to the point where <laughs> I didn't care how I looked. I still had like a camo across my face <laughs> when general and master pinned us, I, I just had just Dirt and camo on my face, sweat was pouring. I was, I was, it was so hot or it was so hot during the ruck, I was sweating. And once we stopped moving, I was so cold. So I yes. just didn't care at that point. I'm just like, just get this thing over with Be my badge. Let me get out of here. I didn't realize there was going to be a whole, uh, kissing hands and shaking babies event afterwards. So. Yeah,
1: it took, it took me a little while. <laughs> uh, so the graduation ceremony was, we were told about the events. Maybe the day before, I don't remember, but there was a lot of hey, we need an FLA sitting here. Hey, you all are going to do this little demonstration. And could you all see us, our little TC? Yeah. Demonst- well,
0: we were kind of like our backs were just so we kind of had to like turn, but for the most part, we could see the action, which I thought was cool. I was really bummed that we didn't get to do that drag though. Like that was,
1: oh, that, that was, was cool. all, that was all Sergeant Neil and his <laughs> fancy little rat strap. But yeah, so I like that. Yeah, luckily I, I got to hide out behind the FLA for the rest of it. And I would like to thank General Lamaster for giving the most on point, short and concise yeah. speech I have ever heard. for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He said what he needed to say. He congratulated you all as winners. Shook everybody's hand because you all were, had to be exhausted, Stan.
0: Oh, yeah. he He's the real MVP for keeping that as short as possible. He cleared to the point and then he got us out of there. So I am for, grateful for that because I don't know if I could have done a whole hour now, album speech. Goodness gracious.
1: The part. only way his speech could have been shorter if he would have said remarks complete. That's the only way it could have been shorter. <laughs> but yeah, and then everybody got their badges. We did the handshaking at the end. How long did it take you to out process and? pack up and hit the road
0: relatively quick luckily um so luckily i i actually had my dentat command team was there too actually my dentat command team brought my wife down
1: oh that was nice <laughs>
0: yeah so i'm like wow that's talking about above and beyond and uh, they helped me uh, get my gear so my my commander was there and the acting first sergeant Um, so big shout out to them for even making a trip out. They don't have to do that for sure. But basically once the ceremony was over, we kind of walked down to the out processing area where I had my rock and probably within 10 minutes or so we had stuff loaded up and we were out of there. (laughs) I think for the ceremony, I think that was just the, the longest 45 minutes ever. And then I think after that it was, it was relatively quick and then Got to go home. <laughs>
1: oh. Well, uh, congratulations on your badge. If you had any advice to give any of these soldiers listening that are getting ready to compete, what would your best piece of advice be? I would
0: just say, and this just comes from experience. One of my soldiers is wanting to go out for it, but he's nervous. He's kind of, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, not necessarily scary, but it's, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, intimidating. Uh, he's very. He's very intimidated by it, but I can kind of, I kind of reiterated, like if I can do it, you can too. You just have to take a moment and one, forget about the whole, like trying to do it faster than anybody else, trying to do it better than anybody. Just, just take a pause, make sure that everything is good and, and, and just don't, don't get too, don't get too caught up. In all the details. Yes, it's very detail oriented, but try to figure out a way to make things um, as simple as possible. Um, because I don't know about anybody else, but with me, I, I, get, I get caught up and I get drowned in all the details because I'm trying to remember every single detail, but at the fullest extent of the detail, I guess it, for lack of better words, like each detail is an iceberg. I wanna know what's under the water. But if all you have to know is the tip, to get through, then that's all you need to, to know, but, but just take a pause and really just enjoy the experience. Because when you're enjoying the experience, when you get to learn your battle buddies, you get to learn the process, you, you talk to the graders, you kind of experience everything. Things start to make more sense when you start asking like, well, why are we doing it like this? Oh, okay. So that makes sense. Why we waited until 15 minutes after the chest wound. And that's why he went into that, that decompensation. And this is, this is why we're doing that. Well, that makes sense. Why am I hooking this hook back where I got it? Oh, because it's a safety hazard. If I back into that, it's going to catch me in the ear. And then now I'm a casualty. So my biggest advice is don't be intimidated. I know it's easy to say, it's easier said than done, but don't get discouraged and you can do it. Just, just do it. and Make sure you're physical, is Oh yeah, clean. make sure you're physically fit and don't get, don't get ego. Don't get, don't get caught up in your ego because you will be tired. So don't get intimidated. Don't get caught up in all the details Be physically fit and have an open mind. That's means. have an open mind.
1: And this was your first, this was your one and only attempt at it. Correct? Correct. I'm not ashamed to say it took me two attempts at it. And there's plenty of people that were out there. They're on their third, fourth attempt. So if you don't get it the first time, it's not the end of the world. It's not meant to be attainable by everybody. If it was, it wasn't, you wouldn't be the prestigious badge it is. So if you're unsuccessful the first time, shake it off, learn from your mistakes, absolutely. train better, especially the physical part. Maybe you weren't as physically strong as you thought you were, get in the gym and you'll get it on your next. attempt.
0: And that mindset, the positive mindset, the positive mindset is huge. It's absolutely like it necessary. Because again, like you said, some of the soldiers were just, once they got down, they went in that kind of spiral and they were out before you know it. Keeping that positive mindset. You mess up once in standardization, that's fine. Screw it. Move on. Absolutely. Learn from it. Move on. So PBO, positive vibes.
1: (laughs) Well, I want to thank you again. My guest was uh, Dr. Paul Guy. You can find him on his TikTok. And I believe your Instagram is the exact same. It's Swole, S-W-O-L-E-D-D-S. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Swole DDS on TikTok and Instagram.
1: Make sure you follow this one and only account.
0: Yes. All right. So it's a pleasure being here. I appreciate you having me on. Thank
1: oh, you. Thank you very much. If anyone you know wants to share their story about military medicine, reach out to me at careunderfire68w at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at care underscore, under underscore, fire underscore. I hope you all follow along as my podcast grows. Open a book, get studying, change your socks. This has been Character Fire.